Hey, y'all. I'm so glad you're here. My name's Chuck. They let me be the pastor for some unknown reason, and I'm so grateful. Okay, so several years ago, uh, I learned how to scuba dive. Yeah, yeah. So I just want you to stop and imagine all this wrapped up in a wetsuit. That's a lot of torque, people. But they got me in that bad boy, and on my first day, they threw me in the deep end of a pool with this mouthpiece and mask, and uh, I totally freaked out. Did you know that we're not designed to breathe underwater? And I don't care whether you got that mouthpiece or not. Your first time at that, you're just thinking to yourself, this is not right. And my brain was saying to me, do not breathe, do not breathe, do not breathe. Even though I have a big honking tank with oxygen connected to my mouth. And I totally freaked out, got to the surface as fast as I could, yanked that thing out of my mouth and went, you know why I needed fresh air? I started getting used to it. And he took me down to just off the coast of West Palm Beach to get certified. You know, getting certified requires somebody that's certifiable. And see, some of y'all were with me already. He kicked me off the boat. I went down and I'm toward the bottom where this wreck is at. It's supposed to be super cool. And the, the dive instructor, who's a former Navy SEAL and just, just a little too gung-ho, comes down there with me and he takes the thing out of my mouth rips my mask off, takes my vest off, and my job is to calmly put all that back on and swim around. I know. If you're at home, somebody in the back went, oh no. That's what I thought. When I got done, you know what I did? I came to the surface, got to the boat and went, because it helps to have a little fresh air. A couple of years ago, I went to Cuba and uh, they thought it would be a good idea to take a fellow like me down into these caverns and caves and just, you walk through all this stuff. I slipped through all of it. I fell and busted my tail so many times that literally my Cuban friends just laughed their way through this whole cavern. When I got about halfway through there, I don't know how deep I was, but I know this, I was in some deep stuff. And when I got out of that cave, you know what I thought? After I thought I'm never doing that again, I need some fresh air. Have you ever been stuck where you needed some fresh air? You ever been there? You know what I find myself stuck in these days? I need fresh air from the kind of wind that's being blown politically. I need some fresh air from the wind that's being blown in America today about whether you should get vaxxed, not get vaxxed, have COVID, don't have COVID, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I am so tired of hearing people telling me what I ought to think and what I ought to know. I just need to go and draw in some fresh air, but it's kind of hard to find these days. You know what else I'm tired of? I'm, I'm tired of thinking that the whole world revolves on whether or not I come to church or not. And I do this for a living. I know folks that are so wrapped up in believing that the way that you get fresh air is you come to church. You sing a little bit, you sit there, you get in the car, you go to lunch, 
you kind of dissect the service about what music you didn't, what you didn't like, what you did like, what was too loud, what was way too soft, whether the preacher went too long, whether it was too nice, whether he's too mean, whether his hair was right or whether he's too fat or not. And then how did we do as a church? Did it entertain my soul? And I just want to draw a deep breath and say, you know what? God's not measuring your goodness based on whether you come to the church or not. God's not even trying to measure your goodness because there ain't nothing good about us. But he does want us to be about his business. Sometimes that happens at the church. But more often than not, we get prepared here to go out there and give some fresh air. You say, well, Chuck, you're telling me that I didn't have to come to church today? Nope. You absolutely didn't have to come to church today. If you're watching online and you're saying, you mean I shouldn't be guilty that I'm in my jammies eating a second bagel with a third cup of coffee? Nope. No guilt whatsoever. Because, see, the, the God of all creation is more concerned about the kind of air you breathe and whose air you're breathing and what you're going to do with it. So the story today, as we launch this story in fresh air, seems a little odd, but I think the Lord has an incredibly cool message for us to grasp out of Luke chapter 2 in a story beginning in verse 41. Now, when I heard this story as a little boy, I heard the story that Jesus at 12 years old travels with Mary and Joseph and the family. They go to Jerusalem for Passover. Passover is a big deal, and there's thousands of people in and around Jerusalem. They take Jesus there, and when they leave to go back to Nazareth, they've lost Jesus, and they totally freak out. And they go back to Jerusalem to find Jesus, and there he is at church, and he's doing two things. But I didn't hear the first one until later in my life. Because the focus I heard as a little boy in Sunday school about the story was that Jesus said, I'm at my father's house. Why are you so freaked out? And then Mary freaked out. And then we should be worried about Joseph because he maybe have dishonored Joseph. And then what do we do with all that? Well, there's a whole different story behind this. And it has to do with how we breathe fresh air considering the challenges and the problems that are before us right now. And they're as unique as the number of people in the room and as unique as your DNA. And if we look at this through this lens, it might help with the story. So in verse 41 in Luke chapter 2, whether you have a Bible, an app, or you want to just watch on the screens, here's how the story goes. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Now, don't you just think right there, Mary and Joseph may not have been super parents. I mean, seriously, isn't there a party that's like, hello, you just literally left the son of the living God behind you as you went home. If you're a parent and you have done this before, you know how weird this feels, right? Like you're in Costco on the Saturday before Christmas and all of a sudden Johnny goes missing and you look at your spouse and you say, I thought you had him. And they said, I thought you had him. And then what do you do? Ah! And then you start screaming, Johnny! And then when you find him, what do you do? You grab Johnny by the shoulders. You shake the living daylights out of him. And you say, I told you never to leave my side. And he was like, I was there. You left. <laughs> now, if he has any sense, he didn't say that, but he thought it. So they make this 
trip. Now, if you're kind of a nuclear family, the way you've traveled most of your life is your little nuclear family of you and uh, your spouse, uh, maybe a kid or two, you get in the car and you go wherever you're going, right? Or if you're like me and Jen, we get a bus and we put our crowd in there and we just go. And the nuclear family has the talk and the chat and whatnot, you know, and you have problems as you go along the way and you have challenges as you go along the way because I bet your family's like mine. And when you travel together, you get to see the best and the worst of each other. Some of you are nodding. Some, some of you are tapping your spouse right now saying, I saw that in you. So now look what happens because the story gets really, really interesting. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Once again, Joseph, Mary, what in the world? Well, now think about this. They had this thing called covenant relationships in the day. So what that meant was you didn't live any further than about three miles from wherever you were born your entire life. And when you traveled to Jerusalem, you didn't travel as a nuclear family. So it wasn't like Mary, Joseph, Jesus, they're all alone on their way and robbers are going to get them. They didn't even travel with just their nuclear family. They traveled with their extended family. But they didn't just travel with their extended family. They traveled with their extended family that included Cousin Eddie. (laughs) Now you're with me, aren't you? Because you immediately thought of her, you, who your cousin Eddie is. But then the whole crowd came because you had a Galilean crowd that joined up with the Nazareth crowd. And in this covenant world, they all traveled together because like when we have child dedication here at church, I say this is a covenant relationship because as a church, you're saying, I'm going to help that parent raise this child in the nurture and admonition of Christ. And that parent is saying, I want to do that with you as a church body. It's a covenant relationship. So they're traveling all together. So kids are playing around and parents are talking and they're just having a big time as they travel. And as it goes on, listen to what happens. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their friends and relatives. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple sitting among the religious teachers. Now watch this. Before we get into what Jesus said and did, why three days? Watch this. They're in Jerusalem. They all leave to go back to Nazareth. It's more than a one-day trip, so they've stopped to camp out. They've stopped, and Joseph is probably heating up the fire, getting ready to roast some wieners. And as he's doing that, they all of a sudden, Mary shows up and says, where is Jesus? I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. Oh, he's playing with Ralph next door. So we go over, Ralph, hadn't seen him. They go all the way around, don't know where he's at. They pack up and head back to Jerusalem. That's a day. They get to Jerusalem a second day. They're there to look around a third day, and now they have two or three days travel back. So by the time they get to looking for Jesus, they are thoroughly freaked out. Now, nowhere in here, as a matter of fact, nowhere in the scriptures do we ever say that Jesus said to us or Jesus ever got freaked out. No time, depending on what the problems are, does Jesus ever say, you know what's really going to help you is if you'll just go worry yourself to death and not sleep. So in the middle of this problem, they need a little fresh air. And the fresh air is, we need a solution. Our son is missing. Listen to what happens. He was sitting among the religious teachers. Now listen to the sequence. Listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, now watch this. Jesus is constantly modeling for you and I how we can breathe the freshest possible air. 
And one of the things he models for us here is that if you want a better marriage, if you want a better way of life, if you want to find a better way into tomorrow, the first thing we have to do is hush and listen. He says he was listening. Then it says he was asking questions. And then it says he was teaching. And in that order, the question we have to ask ourselves is, did God make a mistake when he gave us two ears and one mouth? Or did we just reverse the order? Because Jesus is saying, if you want to have some fresh air to breathe in this new situation, the first thing you do is listen to me. The second thing you do is ask me questions. And then the third thing you can do is talk about it. But the very first thing you do is got to come to me. We sing that song, Holy Spirit, fall on us. Come rest on us. You're all we need. Then why is he the last person we turn to when our stuff hits the fan? Why is he the last person we listen to? Because we need to go to everybody else and talk it through with everybody else. And we just want to do that. Or we stuff it all. And have you ever been in the middle of a challenge with somebody? And we all heard the story about, well, you know, when, when challenges hit, some of, us, some of us fight. Some of us flight. Some of us freeze. And I learned this new one from Julie Harmish this week. Some of us appease. So we... We either fight about it, we just lock up and stuff it. Some of us freeze and we're just inactive. We don't know what to do, so we just totally freak out. And then some of us just figure out if we could just make everybody try to feel better and tell them whatever they want to hear, things will be okay. Have you ever realized that none of those four work? That you got to draw in deep, fresh air of Jesus and listen to what he has to say. And then speak with him and ask him these questions. Now you're ready to talk about it and do something about it. The problem is we do it the opposite way. And then wonder why we don't have fresh air. So now the story goes on and says, and these are Jesus' words. Jesus says, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Now, the literal translation of being in the father's house is, didn't you know I would be doing my father's business? So when you read that, you've got to understand, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to the father's house to just hang out because it was a safe place. I didn't come to the father's house because I liked the music or the rabbis. I didn't come to the Father's house because I was looking for something. I came to the Father's house because I wanted to be about the Father's business. So the question I have for you today is, did you come to the Father's house today to listen to what he had to say? Did you come to the Father's house today to ask him what questions that you need resolved? And did you come to the Father's house to speak with him about how that's going to be done? Or did you come to the Father's house because being a good Southern Christian, what you do is come to church on Sunday morning and tolerate an hour and 10 minutes, dissect it at lunch. You're done with Jesus until next Sunday. And now you come back and do the Father's house again. Or did you come today to do the Father's business? Because if you came today to do the Father's business, now you're ready to take in a gulp of fresh air. But Jesus teaches us three different relationships that are happening in this sequence. At no point does Jesus blast Joseph out of the water when he says, hey, didn't you know I'd be about my Father's business? Not one time do we read Jesus. Joseph is like, hey, what about me? Hello. I mean, at that point, if, 
I'm pretty sure that if, if I were missing one of our girls and I show up and one of our girls says, Dad, I'm dealing with my true father's business here. I, I might want to take that on as a one-dimensional person. A one-dimensional person makes everything about them. I've been this person. You have that conversation and Jenny says something about, I wish we did or I thought we did and I can make it all about me and all of a sudden it's like, but wait a minute, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good provider, I'm not, I don't love you, I don't do, and she's like, I didn't say any of that, I was just saying we like to do this. But if you're a one-dimensional person, you make it all about you, right? Joseph could have at this moment made it all about him. It's kind of like Teddy Roosevelt. They said of Teddy Roosevelt that he was the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. He had to be the lead singer in every band. When you're talking to them, they're all about, the, do, does, am I resonating with anybody here today? Do, have you ever had that conversation with that? Have you ever been that person? I'm just admitting to you, I've been that person. Can I just tell you, I am at my ugliest when I'm a, when I, when I'm a one-dimensional person. I'm at my very worst because I think it's all about me. I make it all about me. And before long, we just, we, you can turn what was just a simple conversation into a gigantic problem because in your brain, you're still trying to tell yourself, but it's all about me. Jesus is trying to give us a picture here. It's not about you. But then Jesus is giving us a picture of, you know, it is good to have a two-dimensional relationship as well, but a two-dimensional relationship doesn't always get us where we need to be. I mean, like, so me, I see Rusty sitting here on the third row. So Rusty's my buddy. We're NASCAR buddies. We're football buddies. I mean, I just, we like all the same stuff, right? And so, you know, if, if I've got a problem, it's easy for me to go talk to Rusty. Me and Rusty can talk about it this way. Or I can go home. I'm, I'm blessed. I, I have a marriage where we talk all the time. So I, Jenny and I can talk about it. And that, that two-dimensional stuff, that's helpful. That works. But the problem is, what happens when that two-dimensional process gets weird? Like in our house, we call it Tukey, right? Y'all may not know what that means, but like Tukey is when, when somebody says to you, how are you? And your response is, fine, that's Tukey. <laughs> when somebody says, where do you want to eat tonight? Anywhere, that's Tukey. Would you like to talk about it? There is nothing to talk about. That's Tukey. When you come downstairs and something is wrong with you and, and somebody says, you okay? And the answer is, yeah, that's Tukey. You know, have you ever noticed that these sideways, sideways relationships, these two-dimensional relationships, you ever found out how Tukey they can get? Have you ever gotten Tukey with somebody? You ever been there? All right, look, how many of you have never been Tukey with anybody in your life? I was hoping somebody raised their hand so I call you a liar. <laughs> your pants are on fire. Because see, one dimension makes it all about me. There's no solution there. Two dimension means it's, 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 we got to all be okay and be okay. that's got to work. But Jesus is saying there's a third dimension here that if you enter into that third dimension, everything can work okay. Now watch this. So it is good when me and Jen are on the same page, right? I mean, that, that's a good thing. We, like when me and Jenny aren't good, I'm not good with anybody. When me, when me and Jen are tukey, I'm tukey with the whole world. Like when, when I'm having a bad day, we're all having a bad day. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, now here's what happens in the middle of that. We allow one and two dimensional relationships 
and perspectives to bleed all over everybody around us. And in doing so, we make everybody's life more difficult. And we don't solve our challenges. And Jesus is saying, I was about my father's business, and this is how you breathe new air. Stale air is it's all about me. Stale air is, has to be we're okay this way. What happens if you triangulate it and you say, me and me and you get right when we see through the lens of the Spirit of God? And what might happen if in our relationships we could discover and live in such a way that I could see my boss, I could see my job, I could see my career, I could see my marriage, my children, my 401k, my checking account, my bills, my health, my family, my children, all through a three-dimensional approach that does something rather fascinating. Now, stick with me. Now, Jesus promised on his ascension that he would give us the gift of his spirit. And when Jesus promises something, Jesus always delivers. And the promise he gave us was that this counselor, this comforter would not just come in us, but that that would drive us when we allowed him to, to be us. Are you with me? So if I start allowing the spirit of God to fall into my life, he is promising to bring me fresh air to fill my lungs and fill my life with such a freshness that when I draw him in, he is literally empowering me to not only not stick in one dimension, but not settle for two dimension, but to live in him because I see everything through the lens and the filter of the spirit of the living God. And so what will happen to me then is when I want to fight in my problems, when I want to fight in my fears, when I want to fight in my relationships, I see that through the lens of the Spirit of God, and I realize there is always the chance that I can live as a one-dimensional person. What if I'm wrong? There's always a chance that I could live as a two-dimensional person, and I could try to appease everybody, or or, or I could run away from it, or, or I could be totally frozen in it. But if I see it through this lens, this filter that, wait a minute, the spirit of God is on me, in me, around me, driving me, connecting me, giving me fresh air. If I breathe him into my life and I see the rest of the world through the filter of the lens of the spirit of the living God, then what happens is like Jesus is saying, did you not know that I was about my father's business? And the father's business is never about single dimensional or just a dual dimensional life, but it's all about him. And now it's not about whether me and Rusty are right. It's not rather about me and Valerie are right. It's not about whether me and Jen are right. It has nothing to do with that process. It has everything to do is we are right because of his presence, not because of who we are. Because if it's up to who we are, I have totally messed up my entire life. Every time I have lived my life outside of this third dimension, outside of the spirit of God, every time I've lived outside of that, you know what I've done? I have freaked out and thought to myself, it's all on me or it's all because of you. And the spirit of God gently and lovingly takes me and says, but Chuck, I'll redeem every dumb thing and every silly thought you've ever had if you'll just breathe in the fresh air of my spirit.
and then let me go. But that's not what our humanity longs for, is it? I mean, I guess if I got just ridiculously honest, you know, you know what my humanity wants? I want control. I want power. I want, I want people to recognize, I want people to pat me on the back. I want, I want tell me to tell people tell me I'm good, even if they're lying. I had a fellow this week. I was chatting with him and I, I said, what if the Spirit of God, what if you just invited the Spirit of God to have rule over your life and just direct you in the most ridiculous, wondrous way? He's tearing up and he looked at me, but what if the Spirit of God tells me to do something I don't want to do? Now, in my mercy and grace, I wanted to say, you're an idiot. But the Spirit of God took over, and I didn't respond in my humanity. And I said, I've never seen the Spirit of God call somebody to, away, into, through, around, or for anything that he didn't do a great work in their life ever. And he just looked at me like you're looking at me now. I said, you know, the easy thing for Jesus to do was to get back in the caravan and just head back home. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never took the easy way? So Jesus stays back and he's listening. Have you ever noticed that a one-dimensional person never just listens? I mean, you know that when you're talking to them, the whole time they're just thinking about what they're going to say. They're not listening to you. And if that one-dimensional person ever says, oh, really, they're lying, they don't care. Because in that moment, it's just about them. Have you ever noticed that in a two-dimensional world, we live in such a society, we want to appease people, don't we? We just want people to like us. We we just want to sound like we fit in. And all the while, Jesus is breaking all these norms on your behalf to give you the gift of his spirit so that you could live in this triangulated life and draw in the fresh air of the spirit of God. And you could see your spouse through the lens of the fact that Jesus gave you this gift. Draw it in. These children that are driving you bat crazy, they are a gift from God. Draw it in. That aging parent, that... Like, they've returned to preschool. Draw it in. See it all through the lens of the Spirit of God because you're going to stress yourself into a point of no return when you think you can cope with this world in a one-dimensional or two-dimensional fashion. But... I want to wrap up today by asking you a question. Do you think the Spirit of God is motivated by or is less powerful than a political party? Do do you think the Spirit of God is motivated by or less powerful than Omicron? Do 
Do you think the Spirit of God is motivated by or less powerful than Russia, China, the border of Ukraine, the southern border, or your finances? The Spirit of the living God who is always for you, never against you. This living Spirit of God within you as a believer that says, I... You can do all things through me. And you can learn to be content with nothing but me. And sitting in this room and watching online, there are people right now who are saying, but Chuck, you just can't imagine how massive my problems are. I met with a guy between services, and when I heard his challenges, I thought, you are whacked out. But I was also able to say, But I'll promise you, if you'll draw in the fresh air of Jesus and the Spirit and you let him direct you, you will walk through this with him and he will redeem every moment of every day and you will live victoriously. But it's your choice. Your choice. So here's what I want you to do. If right now you'd say, Chuck, I want fresh air. I want the spirit of the living God. I want that Jesus in my life because I'm tired of one and two dimensional living. I'm ready. I want like Jesus to be about the father's business and I want to see through the lens of the father's business every moment of every day. Then it's this simple. You call on the name of the Lord and you say, Chuck, I don't know how to do that. It's this simple. Jesus, forgive me. Step into my life. Take over. I want your spirit to rule in my heart. I want to thank you. You died for me. You were buried for me. You rose from the dead for me. And today you're sitting by God the Father praying for me right now. Thank you that you love me in spite of me. You love me. And I want you right now. And if that's the desire of your heart, my friend, if that's what you really want to say, God, that's what I want, I'll promise you, he is a God that will not lie, cannot lie, and will always speak truth into your life. And he says, I will hear you and I will answer you. If that's the desire in your heart right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. No eyes closed. All it takes is one person. Just stand. Yeah. Keep standing. Keep standing. Yeah. Y'all stay standing for a minute. Amen. Church people always get weird when I do this. I always get an email from somebody. Chuck, don't you need to capture these people's names and emails and don't you need to follow up with them? Listen to me, the same spirit of God that can fall on your life is the same spirit of God that will tell you exactly what to do next. And I can trust him, not my process. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart, Jesus will and has and will continue to fall in your life and the Spirit of God will lead you, guide you, and direct you through everything you do if you'll choose to empower him, turn him loose to give you direction and honor him. Father, I want to thank you for these men and women who said yes to you today. Bless them richly. Fall upon them. Lord, in each of their lives, there are challenges we know nothing about, but step into their life. And spirit, guide them. 
Lord, if their next step is baptism, give them the courage to be baptized. If their next step is a group, let them get in a group. If their next step is to simply just be faithful and read the scriptures and pray and trust you, then let them do that. And in all those things and more, let them see through the filter of the spirit of God so that all that they do is seen through the lens of I am about my father's business. And we praise you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's stand and worship for a minute before we go.